What up, everybody, and welcome back to the best podcast nobody's ever heard about. We got a special episode for you today because in just one week, we'll all be boarding flights to the amazing, not-so-tropical, burning-fucking-hot Austin, Texas to kick off the 16th season of the greatest fantasy football league of all time. Now, we do have a lot to talk about today because, unfortunately, last year we fell off a bit at the end. Uh, We had some external barriers we had to work around. I had to work around men's league pickup. Uh, I think I had to push out an episode because JT had family photos. And it's really unfortunate because the hate was at an all-time high. Now, last year was a year we didn't know what was going to happen. There was a clear favorite to start the season off, but that quickly changed when more and more people started throwing draft draft picks around like they were throwing dollars at titties at a strip club. It seemed like there were really three or four favorites favorites everybody thought had a real chance, but there was one man who made moves, sat in the background, and with the help of a heart attack, won the league championship to defy all odds. And luckily, we have that man on the pod today, so to kick us off with this very special episode, we have a very special guest. Some call him the Cardiac King, the Heartbreak Kid. I can call him whatever I want, but the one thing that matters is he is the 2023 Gridiron Super Bowl champ. Today on the pod, we got Asterisk Sam to kick us off with the very first uh, episode of the year, the draft special. Sammy boy, tell us how it's been. After you won the Super Bowl. Unsportsmanlike conduct, 15 yards. Fall start, 5 yard penalty. Yeah, love to be on. Love to kick off the coveted peanut butter league. Um, it is so fucking exciting that football is back. We are so back. The chat is back. The hate is back. The criticism is back. It's been so good to see everybody chiming in, and I can't wait to see everybody here in the next week or so. So last year... You know, before we jump into just some of the draft stuff, I want to do a quick recap of, you know, the end of the year. We had the pod going strong pretty much through the entire regular season, got everybody on. As soon as the playoffs hit, a bunch of shit hit the fan, weren't able to do uh, episodes. There was salt everywhere. I think it was the most hateful the league has probably ever been, at least from my perspective. I hated everyone. Um, Let's kind of run through your thoughts on the playoffs. Um, I mean, we had a couple massive players in the game with Brody drew myself, even though everybody said I fumbled the draft. Those were kind of the favorites. Dakota made big moves at the end. You kind of snuck in, um, and won the fucking league. So let's kind of hear your thoughts on that happened. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the playoffs and, uh, just the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's, Kind of fun to reflect back on last season because last season was undoubtedly like the most intense, the most serious, like the most monitored and paid attention to by, you know, the entire league as a whole. Like it was the spiciest to date. And like all of that started with the draft, which is why I'm so excited for, you know, for the next um, for the next one, um, just because so much goes down. Like you think back to the draft last year again, shout out the Kimes for 
for hosting. Like we started off doing some dumb shit. We voted on some dumb shit. Like people got into arguments. Like we appointed uh, a treasurer who didn't uphold his duties for the first half of the season and then came on strong with like the development of the peanut butter league podcast and, um, helping with stuff in Austin. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really tight to start. It was interesting to have like Brody be a front runner in the league. And then like, you know, someone who nobody ever really dunked on, or at least got tired of dunking on for being so bad, like all of a sudden became like a hot topic and like all of a sudden people were rooting against Brody, which literally hasn't happened in 15 years of the league. So like, that was super interesting. It was like, you know, his to lose. Um, and you know, he was pretty, pretty dominant all season. Like you said, some people came on strong, like he was getting some hate for just like, you know, basically giving up his entire season this season to, to win the league. Like you received some hate for fumbling the draft, um, or just like carry over from the last like season or off season. And there was like a lot of back and forth. Like the chat was like really, really intense. Like I can, you know, I know a bunch of people posted in in the chat of just like all of a sudden having, you know, a hundred mixed messages. It was like the chat was so bad that we had to move to discord. That's how bad it got. Like it was so bad that we had hundreds of messages that nobody could keep up with. So we had to move to discord to keep it all online, which is crazy. So to that point, I mean, Towards the end of the season, there was Dakota made some big moves. Brody had an insane team. Drew had an insane team. I don't have the teams pulled up. I forget who they even had. I remember it was absolutely absurd. Um, going into the playoffs, I was always pretty confident in my team. I was scared of those two other teams. You were kind of an afterthought. I didn't think in a million years that you would have won the Super Bowl. Um did you think you had a chance? What were your thoughts? Because the league last year was a big time for the league because it was the most, I think it was the most trades that have ever taken place. A lot of draft picks are being thrown around. Everybody kind of thought that, you know, I'm just going to trade all my draft picks away, have a stacked team and, and win a Super Bowl that way. I think it was very good for the league that you kind of came in. You took my, I mean, I got Justin Jefferson, so he'll be my keeper, but you have a first round pick. You have a fifth round pick. I believe that's mine. Yeah. Um, I mean, going into the playoffs, did you think you had a chance? Were you hopeful or did you kind of just think, you know what? I have a couple picks next year. Next year will be more of a year that I compete. Um, what were your thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, I knew that I had like a good team, but I just figured that with, you know, people trading away their entire roster and having just like some absolute wagons that I really just didn't have a shot to win. Um, so I knew that I had a good enough team to make the playoffs at the beginning of the season, at least. Um, but didn't really think that I had a chance to win, which resulted in me trading Justin Jefferson week one of the season. Um, and especially knowing that he was my keeper. I had had him for, you know, he, his clock was up on the two, two or three years or whatever that was. I was never, no longer going to be able to keep him as a, you know, a late round draft pick. Um, so get, got some draft capital for him. And then, you know, I started the season five and one. Um, so like, and I think that one loss was to Brody. So like, I was feeling pretty good about where I was at. And then all of a sudden I just lose six straight. Like, <laughs> did you lose six? I, yes. I lost six straight after going five and one. And like, I had such bad luck, like week seven, Brees Hall, 
he's out for the season. He's like my RB two. He's gone. Like JK Dobbins missed the first six weeks of the season. He was my RB three like flex, like Elijah Moore was my fifth round pick. He was a total bust. Like Tom Brady was my quarterback. He like wasn't great. He wasn't Tom Brady, obviously. Like I did not really, I had a lot of misfortunes kind of along the way. Um, and then, but I also, I think my roster showed up to be not as good as I thought it was. And then I, you know, I ended up being five and seven, um, and then had to make a playoff push or like a, a winning push to, to make, to make the playoffs. So, um, I did get fortunate though. Like, you know, I drafted Devonta Smith in the seventh round and he ended up being a top 10 wide receiver. Like the big thing that kind of catapulted me at least into the playoffs, which, you know, as we know, I think that's the big learning from this, this year, which we'll get into but just like making the playoffs is really the key because anything can happen from there. So like picking up Jarek McKinnon was huge for me because he ended up averaging 23 points the last five weeks of the season, which like, that's just the Super Bowl right there. Like that's, yeah. that's the win. Um, like Samaje P Ryan, I ended up picking him up just for like a one week thing when um, Mixon was out. He ended up being out several weeks. Like I all of a sudden had, you know, after I spent a lot of money on waivers, but all of a sudden had like a starting running back out of the blue. Um, swapped a, f- a fourth for a fifth round and got uh, Dak and Schultz from the Cowboys from JT. And um, while you were doing that, I almost traded. I was in talks with JT and yeah. I was trying to get Schultz. And you yeah. had, there was so yeah. much going on around the trade deadline. Like the trade deadline was super, super crucial because, you know, the, the two work, like the two wagons were in it, but everybody else was just trying to gauge, like, do I have a shot? Do I not? Do I care if I make the playoffs? Do I not? Is it worth it? Yeah. Is it worth it? So, you know, it ended up working out for, for me. Um, I think that's like kind of the key, the key thing from from last year is you know at the end of the day the way that our league is structured there's a lot of luck that goes into fantasy football um you know the regular season does matter because you have to get in the playoffs but for the most part seeding doesn't really matter in the playoffs because it's a one week playoff um and then anything can happen from there so and i may need to be fact-checked here and that is the big thing is that there is I think there's definitely skill that goes into being consistent and being good all the time, but there is a big luck factor that plays into it. I'll need to get fact checked here. Um, but I remember looking at kind of the path to the Super Bowl when I lost because I was absolutely devastated. And I think the week before I was the highest score, like I had been the highest, I don't know if I was the highest score, but I was like having a good playoff run. And then in the Super Bowl, I just had that one bad week. And I think you may have played the bad week for each person (laughs) that you played in the playoffs to get by, which is awesome in a sense. I mean, it's fucked that it was against me. Everybody loved that it was against me. But I think it is a big move for the league. I think the number one thing that needed to happen for the league happened. How do you think that will kind of play forward? Do you think this year will be as crazy with the trades do you think people will kind of like hold back a little bit with it and be a little more hesitant to trade those big picks away? Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the sentiment kind of across the league 
last season was like, nobody really loves that we have the ability to like essentially tank to win the league. Like, I don't think anybody likes that idea. Um, nobody feels strongly enough about it that we should like change the rules to not allow that to happen because at the end of the day, you are making a risk. Um, and the risk doesn't always pay off. I don't want to sit here and say like me winning the league, like change the outlook of gridiron gamers forever, because I don't know that that's true. Um, because people will always do what they need to do to stay competitive. But I do think that there is kind of like a, a formula out there where if you can maintain and be a middle of the road team, like finish, you know, middle of the pack on the regular season, like you're going to give yourself a chance to win. And that's kind of all you can ask for. Otherwise it might not be necessarily worth taking the risks to, to make a big push and, and trade a bunch of picks. So um, I can't imagine that we'll see that as much this year. I definitely can't imagine that we're going to be seeing it from Brody again. Uh, but we'll see how this year plays out that like that. It could go back the other way. All of a sudden, if you know, Brody makes the playoffs and does okay, like maybe we see people take risks again because he was able to avoid it. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, Brody's entirely fucked. Drew's entirely fucked. A lot of people last year, they're the big theme of last year, I guess, with me at least, was saying I fumbled my draft. Um, luckily, I mean, I had a lot of picks. I, I kind of tanked the year before. Um, but still almost made the playoffs. So I don't even like saying tanked, but one thing I'm, I'm happy about is I almost made the play or won the Super Bowl with only making the one trade essentially still have a first round pick. So I guess I'm kind of debating, you know, do you make another push? Do you try and skate by, would you say it's more luck, more skill to win a Super Bowl? That's a big argument that we always have. Yeah. I mean, the, I've, I think the undoubted thing that you see from like the high performing players who are high in the power rankings and the aggregate score and all of that stuff is like at the end of the day, they do make moves. So it's not entirely luck. Like they make moves in trades. They make moves on the waiver wire. So like at the end of the day, you still have Justin Jefferson as a keeper for the next three years. Um, you know, I made most of my win last year can be accredited to just like playing the waiver wire. Well, like finding the Jarek McKinnons and the Samaj P Ryan's of the world and making sure that I had the budget late in the season to afford them. Um, so I think that plays a lot into it, especially, you know, longevity wise, like we always give credit to JT, like in the early years for like basically being the only one who played the waiver wire really well. Like he was making moves every single week. Um, and that, that gave him a lot of success. So I'm going to lean more toward like luck will be on your side. If you can construct your roster in the right way without giving up too much draft capital. So you, I mean, you did a great job, made some big moves, got shit on immediately to start the season off. I still think it was a good trade for both of us. Obviously it was a good trade for you. You have picks, you won the league. I made it to the Super Bowl. have a keeper. Neither of us really had to give up too much the entire year to get to the point where we were at. Um, I guess you going into this season, how are you feeling 
you know, with your draft picks, with your teams? Have you thought about, you know, who you want to take, the strategy you want to go with? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm going to be picking late, um, but I do have two uh, first-round draft picks. They're obviously going to be the last two picks because it's you and me. It's, it's your pick and my pick. Um, so it'll be it'll be really late, so that's not as fruitful probably as I would have hoped. But then, you know, I ended up using the fifth round that I got from you uh, in the... Um, the Dak and Schultz trade. So like I, you know, basically had a free pick that I could use for that to swap the fourth and the fifth for them. So um, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm one, the the crazy part is, is like having two first round draft picks is like such a big deal. And then I look at Chip's Google doc and there's one, two, three, four, five of us, almost half the league has two first round draft picks, um, which is insane. So it's Chip, it's Preston, it's me, Vincent, and Ross all have two first-round draft picks um, with Brody, you, uh, Dakota, and I don't know who social media QB is. Oh, I was just looking at Is it Drew? Uh, and Drew don't have any first round draft picks, but obviously you have Justin Jefferson, um, which is projected, you know, first overall. So I'm kind of like at a very just average draft position where it's like, okay, I'm missing a fifth that, you know, isn't the the whole argument was like, you gave up a fifth for, to have, to have Justin Jefferson as a keeper. Yeah. For two years. Yeah. Which Um, Which will be good. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how like the draft unfolds. Like we've obviously the the way that fantasy football has gone is the way that our league has gone, which like wide receivers just keep getting taken earlier and earlier. And like star running backs are like becoming less and less. Obviously, none of them can get a fucking bag now these days, it seems. So um there's also like a lot of question marks around running backs this year. Like you know, the ones who are good and are going to have a large share of touches are like going to be valued. But then after that, the first few, like there's a real question mark. People are splitting carries. There is like a big question on the health. The other big thing that is going to be a factor this year is how early our draft is. True. Is this the earliest it's ever been? This is going to be the earliest it's ever been. Has to be like, I feel like in the early days, in the early days, I feel like it was always like Labor Day weekend just because we were, you know, drafting at Preston's house or whatever. Yeah. But even in the past, you know, if you look back at all of our trips or whatever, it's been like late, late August at the, at the earliest. So um, this is going to probably going to be the earliest we've ever drafted. And, you know, we're already seeing some shit go down in, in training camp. So it'll be interesting to see how that factors in too. So we'll jump in in a bit, a little more into the draft, the picks, kind of outlook of what's that's going to look like in the beautiful Austin, Texas. But going back to last season at the very end, one of the big things um, that happened, uh, I'm going to start calling you DeMar Samlin. Um, hey, prayers for DeMar, prayers for DeMar. Is the, the heart attack in the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously – Horrible scenario. Never want anything to happen, but very horrible for fantasy football. One big thing I've said is asterisk Sam. I think you have an asterisk next to the Super Bowl. We'll never know what would have really happened on that Monday night football. 
What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that this Super Bowl stacks up as a normal Super Bowl? Um, and how do you take the shade I throw you? Uh, I think it stacks up uh, at least compared to like the early years of the league, right? Like, I think, you know, we always treat the league as like kind of two eras of the league where it's like before everyone cared and before we have like this current group and after. Um, and I totally, I think it stacks up against any of the Super Bowls from the early era. Like, it's the most competitive it's ever been. Like, last year was the craziest league has ever been, and I think that I get credit for that. But at the same time, like, you know, it does it does diminish um, it a little bit. Honestly, I don't think it would have been that big of a deal uh, if we didn't already have the scenario of the 98% you versus me where you won on the last night. Like if that didn't exist, if we didn't have that as a reference point where I had a 98% chance to win and I had two players versus your one and somehow it still happened. I don't think that we would view this one in the way that it did when I had like a, I don't know what it was like. a. 70- I, you were upwards. You were upwards of like, I think it was like 75, 80. 70%. Yeah. 75, 80%. It was like, above 75%. Sure, but like the fact that we have like this thing where it's like, it's been done before, like doesn't help the case. Right. Um, and it's like, like you said, it's like a super extreme circumstance that like every, literally every league in the world had to navigate. And um, I think the hard thing too was, and I mean, at this point in the season, everybody's just pissed off, fired <laughs> up. Everybody fucking hates me. I hate everybody. Like, it's basically like whatever you can do. Like, I remember at one point Drew was like, we were going through all the scenarios and it was scenarios that other leagues like had implemented. Yeah. And I remember Drew and some, I might've been Dakota. I know Drew did for a fact, but he was like, no, we can't do this one because it would make Shu win. So it was like, at that point, which granted we can't do anything about it. Like a fucking heart attack happened, but it was basically like, no, this can't happen because I would win or this would, it was basically everybody against me. So the, the heat was even higher. So I'm just losing my mind. You're losing my, your mind. And both of us don't want to lose. And it really was probably the most hateful the league has ever been. I, it was. And like, it was so funny because like in the heat of it, like, and a lot of this happened in a lot of leagues too. Like, a lot of people forgot that like some, we still didn't know if someone was alive or not. Yeah. Like some people and some people were like treading lightly and like, you know, people who it was favorable for were like, guys, this is like, this doesn't matter. This is secondary to everything that's happening. And then other people were just like, who cares? (laughs) We have, we got to figure this shit out. Exactly. So it was like funny to watch people like tiptoe around the line of like the seriousness of what happened versus like, what they secretly actually cared about more, but weren't willing to say, which is just like how the league was going to shake out. Um, And I think the I think like with most, like most things, like you can look like league or like at different leagues and like a lot of things like, okay, this is kind of the standard way to go about it. But some shit like one Super Bowl week two, like what, whoever expects that to happen. And there was no like, there were so many different solutions and different things that different leagues were doing. It's like, what's right, what's wrong. Obviously, you know, you'll want something that favors you. I want something that favors me. It's like, what, like, what do we actually do here? Right. So it really was kind of, it was, there's no right or wrong way to 
to go. Well, and like until we knew what the league was going to do, like there wasn't really like a middle ground that was beneficial for both people. Like there was really no coming to an agreement until we found out like what the league was going to do, which made it even harder. So, so to this point though, I think we've had an insane history in fantasy football of, I mean, me coming back, like think of the two scenarios of you and I playing each other, like Monday night football, Fucking, I come back. You have a 98% chance to win a Super Bowl. I come back and win. Then we, like, face off again. All of a sudden, there's a fucking heart attack that, like, everybody, like, loses their mind about. What do you think of switching rivalry weeks? Because now I feel like we have a rivalry week, but I feel like it almost needs to be, I guess me and JT are rivals to an extent because we're probably the two best players in the league. But... What do you think of switching that up? Because I think you and I are like with the history that we have much bigger rivals at this point than, I mean, I feel like rivalry week was just kind of thrown out there to say, Hey, this is your rival. You know what I mean? It's not a, a true thing unless it's just, unless you think otherwise. No, I, I think it makes sense. Um, I don't know how, like what effect that has on the schedule. And like, I'm not sure if everyone's rival is like not, is like in a different division or not. Cause I'm sure that plays into it. Otherwise you'd be playing your rival three times in a season. Um, but I also know people have talked about like switching up divisions too, which that's just, a, I mean, it's just a crazy thought that like our entire league could just be restructured like that, but it's, it's definitely a possibility. Like things- what are your thoughts on the restructuring divisions? Um, I think it's interesting. Cause like we weirdly have like, <laughs> division pride that's like a completely <laughs> arbitrary thing like people say that like, I, I love division three or whatever but like Bro. i don't know if i really care but like at the same time you know that's like a thing in the chat the whole season is like div div two holding it down like yeah I don't know. um i i do think it's probably worth like looking at it only if it can be like statistically backed like if for some reason we can look at stats and be like this is this one is completely lopsided and like whatever and it would be for the actual betterment of the league and make it more competitive like everything should be in service of that otherwise i don't really see a need to change but i'm i'm open to it if that's if there's a good reason for it and the playoffs aren't really dependent on division no but the being like winning your division is matters for automatic yeah and i yeah, and then I think you automatically get in, right? If yeah. You're in the division. Yes, and I, and um, I think you automatically get a higher. I think you automatically get a top three seed. I think. Yeah, you do get the. Yeah, no, you do. I think too. Actually, I don't know for certain. This is this is. Yeah. <laughs> but that's one thing we can talk about, and I'm sure I don't. I haven't heard any new um, rule changes or anything like that. But at the end of the day, you win 2023 the trophy sitting back there right now as we speak taking a look back you know one of the big themes of each podcast was biggest winner biggest loser of the week um from the super bowl champion himself who would you say i mean obviously biggest winner you um a lot of shit popped off last year who do you think the biggest losers are of last year i mean there, I think if you look at this year, or sorry, last year, 
just looking at the season in and of itself, like the answer is Brody, like for him being the person to beat the way that everything went down, him basically doubling down during the season and like continuing to build his roster when he was already the front runner was like, I mean, he literally, I mean, he put it in the chat. He's like, there's guys, there's no way I'm losing this. Like I got scared and then I gave up more picks. Like it's pretty, it's pretty terrifying. Um, but then I think if you look ahead to this season, like, and the impacts that it has, I mean, Drew has got to be pretty high up there. Like obviously Brody is like going to struggle this year because of the draft capital, but Brody's the biggest loser of last season because of the year prior and him losing and then not winning the league. Like Drew's put himself in that boat this year. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of couples and goes forward. The thing with Brody and Drew is I, I'm glad this is documented at this point because I even said all last year, Brody will find a way to fuck it up. Um, and I said that repeatedly, and that's exactly what happened. So the Brody and Drew conversation was essentially like the battle of the average. Like Drew literally is just so average and Brody is a suck ass. So it was kind of like battle of the average versus suck ass. Um, one thing we talk about a lot in the league is kind of resume. There's always the argument of what actually matters the most. It's, you know, Super Bowls versus regular season versus is it luck? Is it not luck? Um, one of the big things of last year's JT stacked up for this year, right? Stacked up. I think he has a third of the picks in the fourth round. Has like a couple. He has one or two firsts, a third of the picks in the fourth. He's going to be done with his team quick. Uh, but he does have a last place on his resume. So when I think of biggest winners versus biggest losers, we talk about resume. JT, you know, has always been that person who it's like, you know what, he is the best player in the league. He three-peated. Like it's, and he's been declining as the years go on. Like he had that stretch in, it was like, what was it, 2015 to 2018, whatever it was. He had that three-peat stretch. And then it was always the top, but now he's like struggled, maybe not struggled overall, but he hasn't been able to get over the hump, win another Super Bowl. He's constantly it's for him. It's bad for him. Bad for him. And that's a big argument is, oh, you know, we implemented the OBJ rule. Is his, are his Super Bowls luck? Um, because, I mean, it was, he was getting, you know, a first round pick for the last pick of then forever, right? Uh, but now he does have that, last place on his resume where there's only a few people who really do. I think Brody and Vince have like half of the last place places. Um, now JT is stacked for this year, but I would put him in that bigger, biggest loser conversation because he has that last place. And when we talk about resume, everyone will forget if you get 11th, like if you get 11 of 12, like, yeah, that's a really shitty year. You suck, but everyone's going to forget that. Like we keep track of who gets last place. <laughs> Right. So JT does have that last place on his resume. How much does that, you know, affect a resume? You know, if he does win the Super Bowl, everyone wanted to shit on me last year when I almost made the playoffs and traded everything away. And it was like, oh, shoot, you tanked, you tanked. Now, does that same hate go to JT because it's JT or was the hate just directed towards me? And does it have a big mark on your resume? I think that 
it has a big mark on your resume because of like the era that it happened in, right? Like when, again, if we're talking about the two eras of the gridiron gamers, like having a last place when, when we had this league structure and this level of competition is, is pretty bad. Um, and I don't, it's so funny because I don't know like how it happened and like, People don't frown upon his, I think, as much because one, like people just, I think, got enjoyment out of him struggling really bad and like kind of not being able to do anything about it. Um, but like, I also don't think that anybody really views him as tanking because he kind of just like stuck around and then Ross was kind of like up and down and then they had a matchup that mattered and he really didn't trade away a ton of assets until like right before the trade deadline to just like give up. Um, so I don't think, people I, but my point is, is I didn't give up either. Right. Right. So if he wins the Super Bowl, or I mean, obviously JT, I feel like JT is a very good fantasy football player. He's going to flip this shit. Like everybody's going to think like, Oh, JT, like what we did was build that man up to have multiple picks all the time. Cause everybody's dumb as fuck and just gives him what he wants. So this man is like essentially built it up where he's just going to have tons of draft picks forever. He's going to turn these picks into, I don't even know what, because he somehow does just the craziest shit all the time with it. But I mean, if he doesn't, or he does win the Super Bowl, I guess, does he have that same hate? No, probably not if he wins. And like, I mean, dude, looking at his setup, it's crazy. Like one, he has the first pick. Um, and he has one first rounder, four second rounders, one third rounder, four fourth rounders. So he has 10 picks in the first four rounds um, as the first pick in the draft. Like, he's going to load up. Now, he's but the really thing good. is, the thing is, and when you have all these drafts, like, obviously you want to have... It's a good thing to have higher picks. Like those are the most valuable players, you know, going into the season. But that doesn't account for injuries. That doesn't account for, you know, people who fumble the bag, don't have a good year. There are going to be those players. Um having all those picks to start off, I I mean, essentially you are going to miss out on some of the dark horses later in the draft that do end up exploding. Those are a lot of times the people with insane keeper value. Um so what are your thoughts there? I mean, as we do progress, as we're finding out how, you know, I had a bunch of picks last last year. I ended up having a great year without having to do much, but you do miss out on some of those, like, sleeper picks, essentially. No, totally. you up later on. I mean, he's making up for it, probably, in one of his keepers. Um, he's got Garrett Wilson Garrett as a 10th. Like, that's that's pretty good. But he's already come at me. I mean, this man, <laughs> the shit that he offers is so absurd. I have no idea how people like don't yeah. read through it. Like, I, some, uh, and it's like he has some. Like, sometimes I'm like, okay, like if you're talking to an idiot, I get your point. Like, if you don't read between the lines, but if you read between the lines, his negotiations are so bad. I know, and I've never, I've really never traded with JT, um, just because. 
I do feel like he doesn't come from like a pretty fair place because he's been able to get with so much, get away with so much over the years that like he comes with some truthful, honest bullshit a lot <laughs> of the time. But like I was able to trade with him last year to do that, just like swapping a fourth for a fifth. That ended up being a reasonable trade, but that was just because he was about to finish last and was trying to get draft capital for the next year. Like it had to be yeah. like that very specific situation to get a reasonable trade out of him. Um, and it was so funny to see how that evolved because everybody did want him to get last. So there was like a pact, if you remember at the beginning of the year where people were like, don't trade with JT. <laughs> and every time like people were posting JT's trade offers in the chat, <laughs> putting him on blast and telling everybody not to trade with him. And it was like a really funny thing. And everyone was like down for it. And then I think it was like maybe when there was like a prospect that Ross could maybe lose and people started the entertaining the idea of Ross, Ross losing and ended, ended up like realizing that they kind of liked that idea too. And then a couple of trades started falling with JT and then that just kind of started steamrolling into like more and more trades and he ended up accumulating a lot of draft capital. So and here we are. If JT loses, if JT doesn't win, I mean... I'm the, with JT the way you guys are with me. Like, I want to see JT fail <laughs> so bad. <laughs> but I got, I mean, I kind of want to see everybody fail just because. Right. I mean, that's just how it is. But if he doesn't win this year, that'll be. I mean, he's in this, he's in the position that I was in last year. You go into the draft, you have all these picks. The pressure's on when you have all the picks. I do think he will make moves. Um, so I'm curious to see what he does there. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't really see him keeping all of these picks. Like, I think he'll see how the draft evolves um, and kind of evaluate his chances and figure out what he wants to give away. But I could definitely see him, like, accumulating picks for next year early. So we'll see. Yeah. Um. So speaking of JT, you know, last season ended insane. JT got... Um, the beer, I guess, what would you say? He's the, he's beer mile boy, long story short. Um, which I'm extremely excited to see. I do think he's going to crush it. Do you think, I don't know if he's going to puke or not. I hope I see Jay. I hope I get a vomit photo of JT because that would make everything. Um, but going into this year's draft, what, what are we thinking on the beer mile with JT? You think he crushes? You think he struggles? I thought Brody was going to crush it. And I think that's like the biggest watch out. I know like Brody had such high expectations and then and he absolutely crushed like the running portion of the beer mile. Like despite the odds, like he ran like a seven minute mile with four beers in his stomach, but you know, it took him 20 minutes or whatever to drink four beers. Like I think people really underestimate how hard that is. I can't remember. Did JT said that he, did he say that he's been training or he's just been like drinking more beer maybe? I think, I think I he's practicing chugging. Maybe that was it. The thing with JT is, is I say JT is soft as baby shit. Him and Kyle are probably just the two softest people that I've maybe ever met in my life. But this is something where I can see JT just being an absolute terminator. <laughs> I can see this man just showing up, fucking speedo, hairy ass Neanderthal fucking chest, and just absolutely annihilate it like if there's one thing that i think jt can annihilate it's going to be fucking beers in a beer mile and have a record time 
I totally agree. Like there's really high expectations because, you know, he ran cross country in high school. He did a beer mile for fun. Like I was talking about it with Natalie this week and like Natalie said she did time him for that beer mile. So that's confirmed. Like he did complete. Did one. we have the time? Do we know? Uh, I don't think she remembers. I'm sure he has it. Um, but like the fact that he did it for funsies is like kind of wild. Um, like obviously the weather is going to play a factor. Well, Austin heat is not, dude, I was there for work and it is so fucking hot and we're going to have to drink before. Like, I have no idea when we're going to do this beer mile, where it's going to take place. But like, I'm sure we're going to be drinking before he probably won't. He had about three. I don't even think he had four beers total in the last draft. So that might black him out, but running in that heat is going to be tough. I mean, currently it's six o'clock in Austin, Texas. There is an excessive heat warning. <laughs> and The feels like temperature at six o'clock PM is 104 degrees. It's going to be so bad, dude. I mean, it's, it's really, really bad. Um, there's just, it's just, it's as bad as it gets in terms of like running a beer mile. It's like not, you know, it's, it's pretty humid also. So that's going to be really hard. I do think like, there's just like a lot of intrigue with JT though, because like we know that he has like good cardiovascular endurance, like because he's like, a beer snob like that makes it interesting because we don't know like yeah, what like IPAs like right. we don't know what beer he's going to drink but like I can just assume that he's going to add like a unique beer choice to the grid of people who have completed it um I'm sure that he's done which I like you can do something generic or you can do something that stands out which yeah. is also awesome he, he that motherfucker's probably sitting on YouTube watching freaking beer mile videos and watching technique so have we, we haven't determined, so we get there Thursday. He's going to have to do beer mile Friday yep. before the draft. I want to make a public shout out to the league right now. I mean, I think we did come up with the rule. Did we ever vote because Mason and Vince, they kind of didn't do the speedo shit. Of course they had to ruin it to start it off. Um, did we ever say you had to specifically wear like a, like a underwear speedo? Did uh, we, that? we did. I believe that that was a, I believe that that was a voted upon, um, a voted upon amendment last year, um, due to Vincent's attire from the year prior. So I think the adjusted language was like brief basically to make sure that it was like, no, I think it is like real speedo. Like underwear speedo, right? But Vincent wore a speedo brand. Yeah, yeah. So I but think we, like I think we specified like the style of the garment, which yeah. has to be briefs. So the thing that's awesome is JT's going to have to do the speedo in a cape. Shout out to Brody too for being the first one to really run with it and actually do it. Um, but if he doesn't do it right, he loses all of his draft picks, which is the best part. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you spent all your work, but you have to do it. <laughs> drafting off waivers is, is bad. Like really bad. So this year, right. We have, you know, about a week before we, we head out, we all leave next week. Um, looking ahead of the draft, we're going to get there Thursday night. I'm sure we're all going to get annihilated, have the draft on Friday. Then we have the float. What are you looking to most, uh, 
about the draft and who do you think is going to be the biggest liability at the draft just for the weekend i mean honestly like this, this like i've i've honestly been thinking about this and it's been weighing on my mind <laughs> is is the heat right like everything in austin is outdoors like the 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 place you'll go to lunch, the freaking coffee shop, everything is outdoors. There is absolutely no refuge whatsoever. Even like, I don't, I don't know what the temperature is, but like, you know, there's a temperature where like your body cannot cool off as fast as the heat is. Like that's some real shit. And combined drinking on top of that, like I've got some concerns for some of the bozos in this fucking league. I'll tell you that right now. So the way I look at it, and I was just thinking about this as we're talking, we always do... We always did fight rankings, but I want to go through liability rating <laughs> as we sit here. And I haven't thought about this before this call, but I, I have to discuss just total liability rating going into the 2023-24 draft. <laughs> so we'll start. We'll. St- I'm going to go with... There's a clear 1-1 one, one here. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to have to put in number 12 slot, obviously lowest liability going into the draft is Drew, just because Drew's not going to be there. So he obviously takes the number 12 position. If Drew was at the draft, he would definitely be higher uh, on the list, no doubt. But I, I think we should do overall, though, not necessarily for this specific draft. Overall? Yeah. So tied, uh, I think 12 and 11 are very easy. I yeah. think... Tied, you go with Kyle, JT. Correct. Um, I think they're just... Kyle goes goes last because JT's running the beer mile, so he has an extra liability. Yeah, because... But JT, those are probably... He's going to drink those four beers, and then he'll have a half of a craft beer for the entire rest of the time. Yeah. Uh, But Kyle always... Well, Kyle got after it in uh, Scottsdale. At the club, club. Kyle did. But I still think he's very responsible, so I'm going to say... responsible. Kyle, JT, our bottom. Yeah. Um, let's see. Who else do we have? I would put – I got to kind of go to the top here. I think number one, we've already had a liability. The king of liability. <laughs> Fucking we got Mace, who, <laughs> who just has the clear standing, just absolute liability. And – in the draft, in the draft history of traveling, so does he slot the number one? I, dude, Brody's gonna give him a run for his money, man. Brody just—I guess Brody did fall asleep and fall in the fire in in San Diego. So one, two. I'll let you decide if we have. I mean, I think that it's fair. I think I think um, Mason's deserving after recent events. Um, Brody, I mean, Brody is... Because Brody, like, Brody has saved himself from embarrassment by falling asleep. Let's let's put it that Brody way. Brody to a fire. <laughs> at a restaurant. <laughs> that's true. Um, man, that's tough. That's really tough. I feel like Brody, like, and it, like but the last two drafts, like, Brody taking a nap actually Brody ended up... a napper. He's a napper, and I think that that saves him. So we're going, yeah, because he does. Imagine sleeping three-fourths of the entire time and then still being top two. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) 
It's true. So we'll slate. I mean, do we got, is Mace taking the number one spot or Brody? Mason. Okay, so we'll go Mace <laughs> and then Brody at one, two. Then we got to go to the bottom here. I'm going to say probably this Heinous brothers are probably up next. I would put you and Vince kind of in the same thing. You'll fire it up a little bit. Still never a liability, but you're on the very like responsible side. So I would put you and Mason uh, or you and uh, Vincent kind of yeah. tied for nine ten. So we're going to go Heinous brothers at – Nine ten. Who yeah. else do we have left? We have Big Sexy. I think Big Sexy and Dakota are like they're kind of like a pair too. Like they have similar. And I take this back. Vince has shown liability tendencies because so I'm slotting you at ten because I remembered him and Dakota were wrestling. Not that anything went wrong, but that's a liability tendency. You're showing that you have the potential to be a liability. You have it. <laughs> You have it in you to fucking. Yeah, but you Vincent might be able to stay stay uh, nine because like Ross and Dakota also wrestled. So I'll put. Yeah, I'll put Vincent nine. And now who's think, bigger? Uh, yeah, then I think I think Dakota and Ross are eight seven. Well, I don't know. I don't know where Wysong fits in here. He hasn't necessarily fucked up. He could be eight. Why not he? Just gets so drunk. That's what I'm saying. So I think he goes a little. He goes a little higher. I think he goes eight. So I think he eight and then, I, I mean, as long as you agree that he's less of a liability than Ross and Dakota. I don't know about that. I'd almost put him ahead of Ross and Dakota. That's fair. Dakota just starts fucking spouting out mascots. He just gets fucked up and just starts yelling out mascots. Let's put Dakota at eight. Let's put Dakota at eight. Dakota at eight. We'll go Big Sexy at seven. Big Sexy hasn't. No, he just fell asleep on the basketball court. Yeah, that's not like that's just hanging out though. He uh, <laughs> he gets turned up. That is liability. That's liability tendencies. But you are like it's not like we are out doing anything. Right. That's true. And then I think it's fair to put Drew next just because he did uh, eat shit off that scooter in Scottsdale. Big sexy. And then we'll put Y song at six. Now here's where it gets interesting. Who do we have left me P mills and chip. And I think uh, chip is definitely three. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that is even an argument. Um, watermelon gate chip is three. Some shit pops off at any moment. You never know what the fuck is going on. Um, but also a professional, the man can party. He's professional, but he has had one of the incidents, um, out of the three incidents, he is top three incident. So I, <laughs> I chip definitely has to be three and on the liability charts. He, he does get a lot of props to your point because, given just like the intake, I think he handles it as well as anybody, honestly, because See, that's the, that's the thing I'm saying. Point. Me, Preston and Chip are truly professionals. Yeah. Consummate. I, don't know if that's, I don't know if that is a good thing, but the booze that we inhale, the amount of booze that we inhale compared <laughs> to actions, 
But I mean, those actions did turn into Watermelon Gate. Um, Dude, I think that you don't give yourself enough liability credit, though, because I think you, maybe more so than anyone, deserve liability because of like your effect on like the situation and other people and like what can go down. Like, very fair. I don't think anybody really like stirs the pot quite like you can. But that's not me being a liability. That's me setting up liability. But I guess it goes into the liability pot. Yeah. So I think there's conversation to be had about you versus shit, but I'm okay with where you're at right now. But, but, that my, argument, but my argument is, is I haven't had an incident. That's I guess wrestling. Wrestling, but we, we, do, we everybody right. points for wrestling. You are, you are a, a serial wrestler, though. You're a number one. I am serial wrestler. That's going downhill. I've hit 30. That is, uh, I don't know if that will stick around any longer, luckily. Uh, hopefully I can snap out of that. <laughs> so I'm putting Chippy at three, though. Do you agree, disagree? I mean, dude, watermelon gate. <laughs> I'm, I'm, good. I'm good for it. We were guests in someone's home. And then, honestly, I don't even know if I would put Preston this high. I may even, because Preston doesn't really have like any incidents he's just it's usually me like that i invoke on preston then we start wrestling preston will never start anything i don't think he's ever preston is a true professional alcoholic um (laughs) now that i think about it yeah he's i he's not like a liability in and of himself in and of himself but like he's around for all the incidents you know what i mean he's like he's (laughs) Just because he's like part of like the late crew too, like he's the last one to bed. Like he, I think he. The only reason he's higher than most is just because he's a he's around for more. Like he's that so guy. I, feel, I would almost. You are thinking. You're thinking about putting Wise Song over him. I am to an extent, but I can't think. Drew doesn't like. He doesn't really fuck anything up or hasn't hasn't done anything. He just gets wasted too. But I mean, everybody kind of gets wasted besides Kyle and JT. Um. <laughs> <laughs> i would almost if chip didn't have an incident because me and chip are very very similar with instigators you get me and chip together and it's a fucking disaster <laughs> it's an absolute disaster so i would almost put like me and chip same level liability but since he does have an incident i'll just put me at four and then you are right p mills is always in the mix p mills is like that little brother to all the fucking liabilities that like hangs out in the background and like, like he's always there. He's like, when you're ding dong dish, he's like, I'm so close to like being the liability, but I'm just not going to, but I will say P mills is a professional alcoholic. He's a professional and like, but he's also like down for ev- like literally anything, yeah. which is like why he gets put so high. There is a, I'm telling you right now, I love this. And I hope that this is like a thing this season, which I love just like how we did the fight rankings last year. Like, something happens like in person or whatever. And like people readjust the fight rankings. Like I love that this can happen with the liability rankings this year. And I think it's such a, I mean, we'll have to revisit it after the Um, The part is that I think even in this initial thing, like there is a lot of debate to be had amongst the top four people. Like, I think people are going to have some strong opinions, but the thing is, is I will say now that I'm looking at this, Mason had an event, but bounced back was very, very like really like nothing crazy last year that I can think of. But it was yeah. just 
it's hilarious because it was the event, like the whole event in Scottsdale. Like there's just no, like if we're having a liability chart, you have to be up there. But I will say he could, <laughs> you know, just to know that you're capable is enough. <laughs> yeah. Like the thing is, is there's the instigators, there's the events. Right. Like I think we're giving high weight to events, but I'm, right now I think a lot of people would put you in chip top two. I could just because of the impact that you have on the group. I mean, that's a fair. And I, that is one thing that I would say is a fair argument, but I do think like liability where eh, I'm a fucking liability. I am <laughs> <laughs> to an extent though. There's, it just depends on the event. Yeah. I, I to your point though, if we're talking about like true liability and like, we just like, did, I'll go out and I'll do some crazy shit, but it'll never be like, Oh right. fuck. Like, yeah, I think if a good like lens to put on this when you're thinking about it, this is like for the league is like, think ahead to the draft and think about like who you're most concerned about. And that's who should top your ranking. <laughs> like, you think, think about who are you are most concerned about, like getting in trouble with the law, getting in trouble with like their personal health. Fucking shit falling asleep and play like just like it's a whole it's a liability dude yes that that's the lens that you should be putting on it because the thing is is i feel like me and chip if chip didn't have watermelon gate we're kind of like the energizer bunnies Preston like is in that too where we just won't go to sleep unfortunately right. chip has an incident um <laughs> <laughs> so, so the incident weighs higher but now that i'm thinking about the list with mace i don't know if i would put mace one he just has I mean, I don't know what is the Super Bowl of instant though. I would say between San Diego and, but you weren't in San Diego, so you didn't. A lot of people didn't even get to experience one of the best incidents of all time, which we don't have to dive into. But it was amazing. It was hysterical, and it'll live on forever. I'll never change my team name. Um, but it's interesting. Now that I'm looking at this, I'm gonna have to think back, and maybe I will have to adjust. But it is something that we're gonna have to revisit after the draft. I love it. I love it. So we have the liability list, uh, which goes to, I have a couple, you know, I was thinking of, you know, the first to puke, the first to fall asleep. I think Brody will sleep three fourths of the way, just like he does. But then he'll, Brody's like, pops up, ready to go, falls asleep, pops up, ready to go, falls asleep. Um, did we have any pukers last year? Besides uh, the beer mouth? You were a puker? <laughs> whenever you just when we get to the draft get ask the bunk room about their experience dakota had a hard time sleeping dude <laughs> so i mean i'm sure there will be pukers um and i think the biggest bust of this draft though is that there's no pool that is so heartbreaking that it's we don't have a pool but at the same time that means we're going to go out that means we're going to do things we have the float i think it's going to be a fucking awesome draft. I think the float is going to be amazing. It'll be uh, really fun. It'll be really fun. Like seeing Vincent like post the itinerary, like got me so excited today where it's like the whole crew is going to be there Thursday. Like we're walking distance to rainy. We're doing that. Like we've got like fun at the house and then going back out Friday. We've got the float Saturday. Like weekend flow is going to be so nice after already being in the sun for all day Friday. Like it's going to hit so good. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Literally, 
one of my favorite times of the entire year. I can't wait to kick it with the boys. Why songs out? We'll see if he ever makes another one. Um, and I just can't fucking wait. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really great. I'm like so excited to like see all the guys. Like it really, like every time, like the buildup is like so exciting. And like, I always end up having like the most fun. It's like the best experience. Like it gets better and better every year. Like we've got a really good crew and I'm excited to see everybody. So I land late. I'm going to have FOMO. But with that being said, we're coming to time. Can't wait to see you boys. Uh, and let the shit talk begin. This is literally the most intense time of the year where we all fucking hate each other. And uh, I can't wait. So to end this, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, fuck you all. See you in Austin.